Hi there, I'm Eric Wordweaver Sherbin, Gothie of the Ridgar Folk here in East Texas, and I would like to welcome you to The Raven's Call. This is a show where I ramble on about different heathen-related subjects, just kind of whatever strikes my uh, fancy, sets my mind on fire at the time. Thank you guys for watching. This is, I think, episode 102, unless I change the order somehow, and if I do, hey dude, put some kind of disclaimer down here. <laughs> I film a lot of these in batches, and so most likely this is going to be episode 102. Now, before we get started, a little housekeeping stuff. If you like these videos, if you enjoy what I put out, if you uh, want to see more like them and other heathen presenters and whatnot show up on your newsfeed, then click the like button down below. Ding the subscribe button and uh, ring that bell. If you have the announcements or the uh, notifications on, it helps to populate all of this in your subscription feed and your news feed and then it helps to bring others forward. The YouTube algorithms are crazy and popularity is the key. So the more interaction a video gets, the more it gets out in front of other people. So there you have that. Uh, additionally, if you want to support the channel, I would recommend going out and picking up a copy of my book, The, the Saga of Bjorn Thorolfsson. You can find it on Amazon.com or on the Kindle ebook shop. Uh, little heathen storybook that I've written uh, that centers around kind of my views of heathenry in following this fictional family uh, through time. So anyway, and I'm playing with some ideas on how I might follow up on that depending on how it's received. So those that have read it so far have really enjoyed it. I've got great reviews on it. Um, so there you go. <laughs> Jump on the Facebook group if you want to communicate with each other on, uh, on that and whether or not these people liked it or what they got from it. So additionally, all of my contact information is down below. You will find everything from Facebook to email to I think my Twitter is on there. I think I've got a P.O. box for mail-in stuff if you guys wanted to send fan mail, art, anything like that. I can say if you send art, as long as it's appropriate, I will probably put it on the channel at some point in time uh, just because I like those kind of things. It's kind of cool. So, and you know, I, I think it's awesome to get fan mail. So. I actually just spent like an hour going through old fan emails <laughs> that uh, that I hadn't caught up on because it was absolutely ridiculous. Guys, this year has been nuts. I know it has been for you guys too, uh, but I have been just hammered this year. And so I have not replied to all of my emails like I need to. I've got conversations that were kind of half done and have fallen away to uh, conversations that like somebody would send me an email like four months ago and I hadn't responded to it yet. And like, that is horrible. That is pathetic. Let's sit down and reply to a few of these and at least relight some of this and let people know I haven't forgotten about them. So I do love the feedback though. I do look at all of them when they come in, but if it's something that I think may need time and I don't have the time for it at that moment, I will file it away under come back to it later. And uh, <laughs> I let my come back to it later get way too later. Try and not do that. Not make any promises, but I'll try not to do that anymore. Because um, I love to hear the feedback. I love the conversations. I think it's fun. It's fantastic. Uh, so yes, please. Send it all my way. If you guys have show recommendations or requests, questions that you would like to see turned into episodes, please send those in. Uh, there's a request feed up on the Facebook channel, uh, the Facebook group, so hit on there and let me know. You can put it in the comments down below, anything. Uh, toss it up there and I will add it to my list. I keep a running list of you know shows I should do and uh, I'm constantly going in and out. And as you can understand, we're 102 episodes in, so sometimes I'll hit a stint there where I'm like, what am I gonna talk about? I talked about like everything at this point. What could I possibly still have to talk about? And then I'll have an idea and go, oh, yeah, I've got like dozens more. And then, <laughs> and then I'll run through that list and then I'll come up with another dozen. You know how it is. So anyway, 
Speaking of, I wanted to talk a little bit about some content stuff. I started doing my review show, uh, the Raving Raven Reviews. I haven't put one of those out in a little bit simply because work has just been too stupid and I have not had a chance to sit down and film another. I've got some stuff that I want to review for the channel. I will come back to those. Um, and as I said back in episode 100, I'm toying with the idea of adding maybe like once a month uh, instead of a normal Raven's Call episode, putting up one of my Weaving Words episodes uh, with some storytelling elements. Um, let me get, let me know what you guys think about that. Give me some feedback on that. Would you like to see some of the storytelling stuff brought up into the main feed and kind of brought back to life? Um, not not in any way replacing our Raven's Call, but in augmenting it in some elements. Um, but, but what do you guys think about that? Uh, give, give, let me know. Let me know. Um, and if you have recommendations for segments or anything like that in the show, I don't really do segments per se, but I can kind of do some stuff like that here and there. Um, it just depends on uh, what I have, and uh, it's this so free-flowing and so kind of laid back in the delivery style, and I don't always necessarily have a set, we're going to do these sections kind of. Anyway, so guys, give me some feedback on that. Another thing that I was toying around with the idea on is the possibility of doing uh, kind of a, an AMA kind of deal. Um, you know, Jesse over there at Midgard Musings has played with doing some live broadcasts via Facebook and some on YouTube. Um, I'm not really interested in doing any like live broadcasts on YouTube uh, simply because troll him and the problems that come along with that. But Facebook, uh, through the Facebook group, I'm, I'm toying with the possibility of maybe uh, doing a, like, I always sit out and do a, a cigar and, you know, usually a glass of whiskey or scotch or something on the weekend, and I could parlay that into a sit and visit, like uh, a sit and smoke with Eric and, uh, you know, do some AMA kind of stuff, just some laid back conversation. Just depends. I don't know if that's something you guys would be interested in. Um, we're at like 1.4 something thousand subscribers, and so. We're not on that many on the Facebook group, so I don't know if that's necessarily something everybody would be interested in or what. So feedback, feedback, feedback. Let me know. Uh, let me know what you guys want to see on the channel. Um, it helps to fuel things. Keep us going. All right. So anyway, I've rambled on too much with the intro. Um, I can't really tell where I am timing-wise because I've had so many in uh, interruptions really uh, in the past like 10 minutes that it's like I have no idea what the actual runtime on this episode is so sorry for the long intro let's jump into the actual subject of the day we're gonna revisit building tribal identity because this is something that's supremely important to me I told you guys I'm not gonna do it all in one solid block I'm gonna kind of come back to it here and there on different aspects of how one can build tribal identity now as like I said in my last episode about uh, the role of individual practitioners, solitary practitioners, um, hearth practices in, uh, in heathenry today, um, the things that I focus on on a tribal level are things that you guys can practice at a hearth or individual level, okay? And I am, I'm going to do a, a video at some point in time on my view on tribalism and kind of explore that terminology a little bit. Uh, but I am very much focused on tribe, as in my immediate group. Um, I'll come back to it. Uh, and the gist is that anytime I'm talking about tribal identity, tribal practices, you can do the same thing on a hearth level. Because hearth identity is probably even more important than tribal identity, but I can't really talk to you about hearth identity, that's more, that's going to be your thing. You're going to do that. Um, 
hearth identity with culture, I mean, you can mix faiths, you can mix approaches. Um, I, one of my dearest friends mixes his heathen beliefs uh, with some elements of his wife's Native American uh, background and has come with some really awesome, really cool things that are very much their family and the way they do things because it's their heathenry, it's their hearth culture. And it's beautiful. I absolutely love it. Um, I know some people that have mixed uh, Wicca with heathenry, kind of neo-paganism with he heathenry, um, some Druidic elements. Um, I know people of different kind of blended cultures that don't even, they're not even heathen, but their hearth culture is still uh, uniquely beautiful and strong. It's cool. It's neat to see. And so hearth culture is independent of your religion. It's independent of your um, I say it's not independent of those things. Everyone has a hearth culture is what I'm getting at. Whether or not they're heathen, they have a hearth culture. And so what you do and how you do it within your hall, that's your call. Not my hall, not my call. So just keep that in mind as I'm going through and talking about tribal identity, that this also applies to hearth identity. And the two can be kind of intermixed here depending on some some specifics. Uh, there are, of course, some areas where the generality of tribal culture is meant to amalgamate the hearth cultures that make it up. So anyway, praxis. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that term, okay? Praxis is the putting into action theory. It is the way you do something, all right? You've got, you've got the hows and stuff like that. Praxis is the how you do something. Literally the steps you take and the actions that you do uh, in your ritualized practice. Now this does refer specifically more to the religious side of things as opposed to uh, some of the other cultural elements um, as far as praxis goes. But I'm going to use the term in generality uh, because it does encompass within a tribal element how you do the things within your tribe that are you. But specifically, let's look at, at the ritual aspect of and the practices that go along with ritual first. When you're talking about ritual, I'm talking about things like sumble. I'm talking about things like blolt or feigning, depending on what terminology you use. A lot of times I'll just use the term ritual or offering or sacrifice simply because people get bogged down in the weight of terminology. And uh, that's not the point I want to drive home that we're talking about. You know, when I do ritual, this is what I do, not when I do bloat. And then all of a sudden they're asking me, well, are you doing blood sacrifice? Are you doing this? Are you doing Don't get weighed down in the specifics because the specifics are none of your business. Uh, not, not your haul, not your call. How I do ritual and the things that I call bloat are my business. And uh, that's, that's the role of my hearth and my tribe. And the things that I will do ritual-wise for even my hearth are a little bit different from what I would do for my tribe. Uh, my hearth culture of ritual praxis is even more specific to specific things because I have that intimate knowledge of what I'm working with, like what I do with my hearth cults, what I do with my ancestors, what I do with the spirits and guardians in my vey, those kind of things um, as part of my hearth culture are specific to me. They're specific to how I do things. And then I've got some other practices, some amalgamated practices that represent my tribe as a whole when we get together and we do ritual. So the how is uniquely us. Now, yes, 
most of the time there's going to be a core kind of thing that you can pull from. When you're talking about bloat, when you're talking about sacrifice, when you're talking about feigning, whatever, um, there, there are some specific elements to ritual that need to be there as far as, you know, having the two entities, the giver and the receiver, the item of sacrifice, the permeable membrane through which the sacrifice needs to pass in order to reach the divine. I mean, it's all about the passage of gift from the profane to the sacred and how to achieve that. Now, there are some specific things that we have seen in research as far as uh, attestations in the lore, things we can tell from archeological digs, that yes, there are some general ways that this was done that seemed to be pervasive across time and distance within the heathen cultures. So there's some certain elements of, of, of bloat, of feigning, of sacrifice that we find to be fairly ubiquitous, that are all over the place, that, that seem to be there regardless of where there is. And so I highly recommend that you build on what the ancestors have done. I, the archheathens in general, um, learn from them, learn from their techniques, but in the end, make them uniquely yours. The core of the ritual, as far as you know, having an item to sacrifice, the permeable membrane, the sacred, the profane, the transition of the gift between the two. Um, these things are all core. When you're going in and you're doing ritual work, uh, the ritual worker is participating in mythic time and mythic place when they create that link. They are not replicating mythic events, they are participating in them. And it's, it's, it seems like semantics, but it's not. It's actually significant indifference when you really, really think about it. So um, these individuals, when they do these things, they need to make sure they've got stuff that works to actually create the connection and engage. But beyond that, the trappings that go around it, the specifics on how you go about your ritual are going to be uniquely yours. Now, vagueness aside, let's look at some of the specific ways, like with bloat, that you can make bloat your own. You know, I've seen groups that uh, approach the border around their bloatstead, around their vey, as, you know, some will set up a permanent boundary of like cinder blocks or stones, uh, flagstones. Some will do, um, you know, uh, posts and ropes and will run chain. I don't necessarily recommend chain simply because the introduction of the metals can sometimes jack. Although, you know, there is something about it as far as being the outer circle's boundary. I don't know. Merits further thought. I'll come back to it later. But, you know, there's a million different ways that you can go about creating the boundary. Like within our vey, in addition, we like to give um, offerings of like little baubles, of little decorations and things like that, that the local Vaitir can enjoy and be a part of, and that help to bring that air of sacredness, of ritual mindset to the Vey, so that when you step in, and you step into that pool of sacred energy that's, that's coming over, um, this is, it assists in all of that. It helps to bring the mind to that point, right? Um, trappings are very much like that. It's embracing your culture. And we're going to do things differently based on different areas. Like how we do things down in Texas is not necessarily going to be how somebody does it in upstate New York. It's not necessarily going to be how somebody does it over in California, Minnesota, Colorado, Kansas, Alabama. It doesn't 
there, there's not one true way to do all of this. There are some key elements that we find to be beneficial from research and from you know study, but beyond that, beyond that, beyond the core elements that you need to be able to establish a connection with the sacred, the trappings are all your own, and they take on the flavor of your tribe, and they should. Okay. Similarly. Uh, let's look at Sumble real quick. You know, there's um, Sumble is one of those that there's some significant differences on, um, partially because there's the more modernized Sumble, which a lot of people, at least in our area, have embraced. And I know uh, from my interactions online with some individuals in more outlying areas that this is also how some of them do it in modern times, uh, versus the more historical uh, Sumble which has far more, it has different rules and some different practices. It is still the drinking ritual, it's still the toasting ritual, but it's done differently um, in a different fashion. It's not necessarily as communal as the modern sumble would be. Now my tribe embraces modern sumble and I have no problem with this because it's us, it's how we do things, it's how we've always done things. Do I understand that it doesn't necessarily come from uh, like specifically this is not like my ancestors did not sit around and do sumble the way we do sumble i understand that but i'm also not my ancestors i've learned from them i've learned the purpose of sumble i understand what it is and what it's meant to do at least in how we approach the ritual and therefore we have built our practice of sumble and how we go about it in the way that we do um, i'm not necessarily going to share all of that because that's more our tribal culture or hearth culture and it's not not something i necessarily want to blast out on the internet but i do know different people will do things differently uh, what is acceptable in one person's tribal area as far as within ritual is going to be different than in another um, you may end up with someone who does a more historical style sumble where they don't do the rounds um, ours, of course, is the more modern. We do the first round of the gods and goddesses, the second round to the dearly departed, the ancestors, and the third round is the more free round, toasts, oaths, and boasts, and the general idea of being sharing the frivolity of folk and our immediate community, our people, our family, our extended family, our tribal community. And so we build up some of the specifics of what we say, how we go about it, um, like for instance, uh, one, one tradition that I know amongst certain areas in the Midwest, uh, there is a kind of culture of when someone says something over the horn that you find to be particularly heartfelt or particularly meaningful, uh, the individuals listening will raise their own horn in toast or solidarity um, and the form of applause. Like in some circles, it's appropriate when someone says hail to give additional hails afterwards. Um, you know, once they've finished their toast and say hail, hail. Um, and then there may be additional ones to show, hey, that was awesome, you did really well, we're proud of you. Uh, but there's also this tradition, in, when it's available, of beating on the table to give the whole kind of rumble of applause for these people. Uh, it's a very cool thing, especially when you can do it in a large group. Um, it has, carries that kind of echo throughout the hall, and it's just really neat. I like it a lot, uh, but it's not something we get to necessarily do within our tribe because we don't usually do sumble with a table involved. Uh, there are certain, like, uh, there there are certain tribal practices wherein like sumble can only be done inside, can only be done within walls and under a roof. 
uh, and it's a very specific thing. There are some where sunbolt can be done outside around a fire. I just it depends on what your specific tribe considers to be necessary. <laughs> yeah, I just threw over that word for a second because it is it's the point. It's necessary because that's the crux is that we each see through our own experiences and through our own research what we feel is necessary and we are going to be firmly convinced that our way is the right way that it is the way to access the gods and goddesses and to access you know tribal weird and all of that that this is how we do it this is how it's done you know, we do it this way because it works and it works better. And so we don't do it like somebody else does because we don't have the same effect. We don't have the same result. And so our way is obviously better for us. And that's the key. It's better for us, you know. Now, I'm not saying in all of this to say throw out all kinds of research. Just do whatever you want to do. Do what feels right, etc., etc., etc. I'm going to tell you that if cultural elements and... Uh, aesthetic elements feel better for you within the ritual and you have you understand the how and the why of it in your mind then of course you're all your call do what you're going to do I'm not going to tell you you're doing ritual wrong I'm going to do ritual the way I want to do ritual and uh, you do ritual the way you do ritual because <laughs> it doesn't ultimately it doesn't matter to me whether or not you hit the marks it matters whether or not I hit the marks because I have to take care of my people um, I will help people who come to me and look for advice on ritual and things like that, but uh, that doesn't. I, I'm not responsible for your connection to the sacred. Uh, you are, so it's on you to decide how you want to go about doing that, and etc. 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 So, when you're sitting here building your identity with this praxis and everything, decide the elements that have to be there. What elements do you absolutely need? You know, what, uh, like for Sumble, does it have to be the three rounds? Do you do more rounds? Do you allow for less rounds? Do you even use the round structure or do you use a more, more historical structure? Do you, you know, why do you do that? You know, that's the key thing. Decide what the key elements are. Do you allow hailing of Loki over the horn? Do you allow hailing of other gods over the horn? If you haven't run into that yet and you allow guests that come in and participate who are more generalized pagan or even even have kind of mixed belief structures themselves, you're going to run into that. You're going to see that. So uh, be prepared to answer those kind of questions. You know, uh, how are you going to handle oathing over the horn if anybody wants to swear an oath? Do you have a Thule who's going to step up and guard that? Who's going to uh, kind of guard that? Or is that the role of the Gothi or the ritual practitioner? Whose job is that? I don't know, but it's part of ritual practice and you need to know that. So, because it's the specifics. I mean, of course, when you're getting into things like that, uh, there's some cultural elements there as well. It's not necessarily of ritual praxis, um, but uh, the actual elements of how you do ritual, why you do things the way you do, think it out. And as long as you have a why that you feel is justified within the context of your tribal culture, then by all means, you do you. Your haul, your call. And I'm fine with that. I'm not gonna argue with that. Um, Similarly, when you go visiting other people, as you build community or you participate in rituals run by others, um, you will learn that people will do things significantly differently and uh, you need to be ready to roll with that. And you also need to be ready to identify your boundaries and comfort zone. If somebody's going to run a ritual that you feel is 
dodgy or in some way disrespectful either to the gods or to you and your tribe, then you need to be ready to stand up and talk about that. Um, I have unfortunately participated in some rituals in the past that I did not feel were particularly respectful. Um, ones that asked too much or tried to go too intense into public a setting, uh, something that would have been far better in a private setting. Um, I've also run into ones where they're just blatantly disrespectful and uh, you know just blew away social mores and taboos because that's how this tribe did it. They brought their tribal culture up to an intertribal level and blasted their tribal culture all over these intertribal interactions and it was really bad. Really, really bad. Um, some of you that were there for that particular one already probably know what I'm talking about. Um, so I'm not going to go into any more on that. You guys can figure that out. Or you can live with the mystery. <laughs> so, as you build this, as you begin to develop your structure, um, you're going to get frustrated with videos like this because you're going to want people to tell you how to do something. And I've done my telling of how to do ritual. You know, I've, I've told you what I'm willing to tell you on how to do ritual. Now, we'll talk about some, some minor things, some other ways you can experiment with it and stuff like that. But um, you guys know how to do a ritual by now. If you haven't, go back and watch the videos. I share how I do it. Uh, it's up to you to decide how you do it. And even then, there's elements of how I do it that I don't share outside of the circle. You know, if you talk about tribal, uh, a good example of kind of tribal aesthetic, tribal identity when it comes to ritual is I've done a video before on my concept of the Vey as the well of weird and the root of Yggdrasil being the altar. And that it is through that and through the waters that are dripped down from the gods bestowing luck upon us that we feed into our actions and deeds, feed into the well of weird and mix with Orlog go up the root to the tree. Uh, there's a lot of other minor things in there that I do that I'm not gonna share, I'm not gonna give away all my secrets. Uh, but the whole identity of they as well is very much a key part of my tribal identity. That is something that I have developed. This is not something that I have based on somebody else's research. This is based on my own, uh, based on my own insights and my own research, my own looking into things, and my own comparison on a mythological level. I feel that it's mythologically sound and therefore creates parity with the divine within the setting of a ritual. And because I have thought all of that out, because I have contemplated the whys, our praxis for sacrifice and ritual is going to look very, very different from someone who does not use that aesthetic as their basis of ritual praxis. You know, you're going to go to someone who uses more of a fire focus. You're going to go to someone who looks at bogging in a different way or something like that. You're going to end up seeing different approaches and that's fine. Embrace that. That's the key thing here. Embrace your differences. Embrace what makes you, you. That's your tribal identity. That's the whole crux of this. That's what we're shooting for. That's what we want. And so, as long as you do that, you're going to be fine. You're going to develop, you're going to grow, and you're going to become something bigger and better over time, and you will develop Thu, or what is tradition. Uh, that is a word that's borrowed more from the historical, um, like Thaitish Anglo-Saxon kind of approach, uh, the term Thu, which has been kind of amalgamated into modern culture, into modern uh, 
and generalized modern heathenry. Not that theism is modern heathenry, it's just a different approach, uh, just a different way of going at it. And uh, it is a term that roughly translates to uh, how you do it, how they do it, tradition, unwritten tradition, but still tradition. It is thu, it is unwritten law. It's just how you do it, you know, if you go through and uh, you know that uh, when we do ritual that everybody has to, uh, when they step into the vey, they have to pat the head of the guardian statue on the entry to the vey in order to show respect for it, that's thu for that tribe. doesn't mean that that's thu for anybody else's tribe, and thu frequently is based on UPG and experience, so, you know, you develop through by developing tribal identity over time. You know, this, these two grow hand in hand. The identity that you have is informally formalized in Thu. Uh, as your identity grows, Thu grows with the identity, and the Thu begins to reflect the identity. And it needs to, because that's the safeguard. That's how you develop that that sense of tribal identity, that sense of tribal self, as it were, or hearth, hearth identity, hearth self. Uh, hearth thews vary from tribal thew, as well they should. So, within the concept of praxis, how you do things, the mechanics of ritual, decide for yourselves, okay? Figure out what elements you like, figure out what you need, build your own way of doing it, that's not to say go completely off script. I'm simply saying if there's an element that you want present that you can justify within the logic of ritual, within the mechanics of ritual, then try it out. And if it works better for you, embrace it. If it doesn't work better for you, if you find it's a hindrance of some kind, then pull away. Um, if it's something you want to try but you find that it's offensive to the gods, then it's probably better, not, better off you not do that. Uh, learn from the experience of others before delving off into something that can actually do damage to your tribe, to your relationship with the gods. You gotta be careful about that too, you know. Experimentation is fine, but you wanna set limits on that. You don't wanna go too far too soon or too quickly because you may destroy what relationship you have with the gods by missing an important piece uh, and somehow offending them. Um, it can be a thing. You can be cut off, or at, at bare minimum, you could make your ritual ineffective in reaching the divine and therefore uh, be going through the motions. And so you don't want that either. Okay? So take your time, build your identity, figure out what trappings you want, what aesthetics you want present, what different ways you go about it, and embrace it. You know, embrace your worldview, embrace how you see the world, and do ritual based on how you see the world. Okay? I do think that there are some key elements there necessary in order to make that connection to the divine. I do not think that, I do not think that some of those trappings and mechanics are necessarily as set in stone as some historically minded heathens might, might, not necessarily, but might feel. Uh, that may be an area where we differ. Um, so you may come across somebody who will tell you that I am full of it and don't do it my way. Uh, there's a couple of thumbs downs on the channel that'll give you that indication anyway. You're gonna disagree. I expect you to disagree. If you don't disagree with me on something at some point, I'm gonna be disappointed because it means I didn't go deep enough or I didn't get specific enough uh, because 
there's got to be something in here that you either disagree with, come at from a different angle, something where your opinion or your experiences may differ from mine. It's supposed to be that way. It's good. It's experience. It's life. It's living. It's organic and it grows. No two trees are the same. And so the, the, the well that feeds my tree, my, my tribal tree, is strong in our own way. So that's how we do things, you know. I, I will share some of my tribal through on the channel. Um, I'm actually breaking into using that term now. Uh, I've used the term Thu for ages, don't get me wrong. I have embraced the term in my own tribal culture, but I've avoided using it on the channel up to this point simply because it's kind of loaded within certain communities. Like uh, some historical heathens will just flip because I'm not using the term exactly correctly or because I'm globalizing it in such a way that it's kind of like the cultural appropriation thing. It's like, eh, just stop, stop. Anyway. From there, uh, we're gonna continue to build on tribal identity. We're gonna come back to some different elements. We're gonna come into looking at uh, holidays, festivals, things like that. And uh, I'll come back to that at some point in the near future, but I'm not necessarily gonna delve into that uh, in the next episode. I think we may do a couple before we come back to something like that. So keep in mind, guys, that when I'm talking about building tribal identity, I'm talking about developing your hearth, your tribe, your community in a way that fits you and expresses who you are and the way that you do things. Because we are not our ancestors. We are their descendants. And we are going to do things the way that we do it based on the gifts that our ancestors have given us and our own insights and our own expression of culture in the modern day. And that's what it means to be a modern heathen. Because Things are different than they were a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago. Uh, we're going to do things differently. That's to be expected. We still hail the same gods. We still honor our families and our ancestors and all of that. But we're going to do it a little bit differently. And that's okay. There's a lot of things that have been lost to time, a lot of family traditions that have been lost to time that, you know, it's time to build some new traditions, guys. It's time to, to start it up again. Because traditions are important. It gives a thread that binds the generations together. And you can do that. Uh, you can develop your own traditions that, while you may not necessarily be able to reconnect to some of the past generations, you can if you can discover those traditions and bring them back to life. You can kind of reconnect some of those threads. But even if you can't do that, you can at least start threads that will carry forward and continue to bind in the future. So think it through uh, as you build tribe. A strong tribal identity means a strong tribe because there is a sense of solidarity, there is a sense of union, there is a sense of belonging to something. If it's sterile, if it's just like any other Asatru club or whatever, Viking drinking club, whatever, um, you're not going to have the longevity, you're gonna have turnover, you're gonna have things like that. You want something that people are invested in and for, it, for people to invest in it, it has to have a life of its own. So, and that includes how you do ritual and how you do you, okay? So anyway, thank you guys. I've rambled on long enough. We'll come back in another episode uh, and touch on tribal identity some more because uh, hashtag grassroots heathenry, uh, that's what I'm all about, guys. So hail to you all. Thank you. May your hearth fires burn bright.